Welcome to episode 8 of Tailoring Talk with me, Roberto Rivilla. I'm a bespoke tailor, menswear designer and owner of Roberto Rivilla London Suit and Shirt Makers. So why this podcast? I love tailoring because I love taking care of people. I work with so many fascinating individuals and this gives you the chance to join me as I introduce you to some of them. Delve into their lives, the highs and lows of their journeys and the lessons they've learned along the way. My hope is that you'll learn something new, meet some interesting people and feel inspired to get involved through your feedback each episode or by even joining me as a guest. Now, as you would expect, my favourite clothes are my fabulous suits, but my second favourite? They have to be my jeans. So many of us are obsessed with denim, and so many of us are on the same quest. The search for the holiest of holy grails. Perfect fitting jeans. Join me as I take you on a four and a half thousand mile trip to Mississippi to meet Blake Kokanawa of the Blue Delta Jeans Company. Together, we're going to find out a little about the history of denim and how the modern gene came to be, discover the lucrative pastime of gene prospecting, and dive behind the scenes to find out how this little company creates a perfect fitting gene every single time. Enjoy! At any given point of any given day, 50% of the world's population are wearing denim. There are a few better that could join me today to deep dive into our obsession with jeans. I'm joined all the way from Tupelo, Mississippi by Blake Kokanawa of Blue Delta Jeans. Blake, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing very well, Bobby. Thank you for having me on. How have things been the last few months uh, with COVID and the whole pandemic situation over there? Uh, you know, it's it's been an interesting uh, interesting year like it has been for everybody. Um, we, we were fortunate um, through... The first uh, six to eight months or so, we we um, did a lot of PPE production, made masks and gowns uh, for for government entities here in the state of Mississippi. We were really proud to be able to do that, and, and fortunate because we uh, were able to keep pretty much all of our staff on board. Um, but we're we're back. We're we're making jeans at um, a clip even quicker than we were um, a year ago. So we we count ourselves very fortunate and. Uh, you know, COVID, everybody got very accustomed to wearing sweatpants at home. And so now our moniker is, well, let's, let's trade in those sweatpants, but keep you in something comfortable. And so that's where custom jeans come into play. I'm really shocked, actually, that even over, I mean, in Britain, we expect it because I don't know where we get this reputation from in, in Britain of being very well dressed. I don't know if it's what you guys see of us in movies and on television shows and that sort of thing. But trust me, if you get out here, it's not quite the case. There are some well-dressed people, but on the whole, there's a lot of work to be done. And I probably shouldn't complain about that because there's a whole market opportunity there for me. (laughs) We definitely saw a lot of people and heard a lot of people telling us proudly how they ditched suits and even ditched jeans and were wearing shorts. Yeah, we'd actually gone a step below jogging bottoms over here. Shorts and t-shirts, even up till now crazy i'm really really surprised because i would have just assumed and maybe this is me just stereotyping in my own mind from what i see of america on tv and so on but i would have assumed that jeans would be the lowest common denominator out there during the pandemic and working from home i i hate to say you're 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 wrong on that one um yeah i mean in american 
media and American culture, I think we definitely view uh, Britons as wearing three piece suits everywhere you go. Probably a consequence of, you know, James Bond movies and, and what we see on Netflix. But um, yeah, in the United States, uh, denim increasingly, like everywhere in the world, is is becoming more and more of comfort wear as uh, stretch uh, stretch materials get added into denim. Uh, but still, yeah, the a big big joke over here is um, you know sweatpants and 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 like you said, workout shorts at home uh, during the day. It's kind of like the stuff you you see sometimes on uh, ESPN over here. The they've got these old commercials of the ESPN anchors wearing a, a suit jacket and tie, and then they step out from behind the desk and they've got you know swim trunks on or something. That's that's kind of become the reality, unfortunately. There was that video that went viral last year. I think it was, yeah, it must have been around April, May uh, during the pandemic where there was this, I think it was a sports anchor or it was some guy that was on uh, CBS or one of those channels in the States. It might have been ABC and uh, he was being interviewed, but he was in his underwear. I mean, I think he was literally in his boxes. Yeah. It's shocking, but we're unlocking gradually over here in the UK and we seem to be on track so far. So with that, we're hoping that we'll also see a general return to some level of decorum. Absolutely. Uh, but let's see how that goes. 2020 becomes this sort of lost year as far as that quote I gave or that fact I gave at the, the, the top there. That at any one point in time, on any given day, 50% of this planet's population are wearing denim i mean that's just crazy right but then are we surprised no and it is it's it's a a crazy statistic and i i do hear that one a lot and it always it always catches me off guard but you you think about denim um the history of denim which is it's really not that old of a fabric you're you're talking a couple hundred years and and blue jeans in their modern sense came to fruition in, in really the 1850s uh, but but denim became popular because it is a workman's fabric. Um, it, it's a sturdy material. It lasts you a good long while. You don't have to to wash and clean it all the time because of the the nature of the material. Um, so you, you think about just the overall population of the world. Um, you know, most people on a day to day basis are doing some form of labor, uh, and and denim is the material that fits the bill for what they may need to wear. Um, so definitely an odd statistic, but but one that you get into it a little bit and it, it makes sense. We're going to come back to the washing of denim uh, in a little while because <laughs> the uh, it's a touchy subject. It is a touchy. Well, again, especially over here, because when I get customers who say, so how do I look after these? Uh, do I wash them? And I say, well, you should never, ever wash them. They put dry clean only in there, but you shouldn't even do that. And then they'll look at me and they'll be like, uh, really? With a look of disdain on their faces and disgust. I mean, what happens when they get really dirty and smelly? And I, I'm actually like, I have to confess, I don't know. But to be honest, I don't wash mine. But the reason I don't wash mine is because <laughs> I've got like seven or eight pairs of them. So, and they all do different things. And we'll also talk about that later as well. They, my jeans all have their own individual personalities now, uh, as, as time has gone on, which, uh, which is also very cool. So kind of going back to the, to the start, because you you said quite rightly that they were they they came about as a form of workwear. The the story started with Jacob Davis in the USA. 
Because jeans actually, the fabric itself originates from Europe. Yes, sir. Yeah. So denim, uh, as I understand it, is um, one word uh, in the English language, but really it, it came about as as two words. Um, denim allegedly was was first uh, invented or created in in Nîmes, France, uh, and so when it started showing up all over the world, it was de Nîmes of France or of Nîmes, France. Um, so. That's the the invention of the word, uh, allegedly. Uh, yes, sir. The fabric sort of made its way over to the USA and Jacob Davis, who was a tailor. So he had a, a huge mountain of a guy who came in and uh, had a demand for pants that just wouldn't bust out all over the seams. And I, I guess this is where the modern version of the gene came from. Right. So the uh, as you said, as the story goes, uh, the, this client came in, needed a pant that, that would be durable and long lasting and that would also fit him. Uh, so Jacob Davis makes this pant uh, and I guess the, the, the client got it and showed everybody how cool it was. And then demand started cropping up. Jacob Davis starts looking for a supplier for the fabric that he wanted to use to make this new type of pant he had invented and goes to this company that's out in in uh, San Francisco at the time called Levi Strauss, which we all now know. Uh, and yeah, they they look at what he's making with the materials he's buying from them. Uh, they loved it, and so uh, Jacob Davis joins forces with this company. They sign a contract and they start mass manufacturing denim out in in the Western United States during the Gold Rush. Where uh, back to to what I said earlier about it being a workman's material, you have guys that are exploring the wild, wild west. They're they're living in basically desert conditions. They're panning for gold. They needed something that that just lasted. And, you know, thin, lightweight materials at the time would would tear up and, and it wouldn't survive the sandstorms and sleeping on the ground at night. And so here all of a sudden you have this material that's that it's tough and, and it lasts forever. And, and not only that, but it's dyed dark blue which hides stains and blood and and this and that that you pick up on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, kind of a match made in heaven. Have you heard of Indiana Jeans? Indiana Jones, yes, sir. No, Indiana Jeans. Jeans! Oh, my apologies. All right. It's not a jeans company. I might actually be able to teach you something here. There's a guy called Britt Eaton, and he's also known as Indiana Jeans, like Indiana Jones. And he's an explorer. Okay. So he goes He goes traveling around the Old West, like places like Lone Pine and, uh, you know, abandoned mines like the, the Cerro Gordo mines. Um, I think they're in California. I'm not sure. Somewhere west in your country anyway. And what he does is, in, in the same way that the prospectors during the gold rush were panning for gold, he goes panning for jeans. But jeans that were discarded anywhere from 50 to 100 years ago. So like these old abandoned mines, he, he just goes rooting around the remains of these places. And he's just trying to find jeans that were discarded by prospectors, workers, miners, you name it. Whoever was out there at that time. Cowboys, you know, I don't know who else you guys had out there. But it was, again, I'm just quoting from films that I've seen. Um, <laughs> but that's what Brit does. And he'll find jeans that have been discarded, that are still there after all this time, under all this trash. And then he sells them 
So, so these are jeans that back in the day would have cost like a buck twenty-five. He'll sell them for anything from two, three thousand dollars to a hundred thousand dollars because there are collectors all over the world, particularly in the Far East. They love this sort of stuff. Who are paying huge sums of money for these things? So, my question is: Did Blue Delta? Did you guys get your business model wrong when you started? <laughs> Because <laughs> this guy's making a killing off old stuff that exists already. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Well, I've 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 successfully avoided uh, avoided having to going into <laughs> mines on a day to day basis. So I I think I may be okay with with what we've done here. Uh, but okay, now, so now I'm I'm looking at some pictures here. Yeah, I've I've heard I've heard about this guy. I didn't have the the name and the story put together, but. Uh, yeah, I, I seem to recall here a couple years ago, and I, I don't know if he found it, but I, I know a pair of, uh, you know, 150, 160 year old jeans sold for something like quarter of a million dollars at auction. That was, uh, I believe, an original pair of Levi Strauss jeans. Um, the one pocket. Yes, the one pocket. Yeah, that that was him. He he talks about the one pocket as being the holy grail of. I guess we'll call it gene prospecting, right? Probably a fair term. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, if it wasn't for the pandemic and my inability to fly out to your country, I'd, I'd have been there a year ago, you know, <laughs> just hunting around for this stuff. But, what, but the point of the story is, and my reason for, for, for mentioning it, not that it's, I mean, it's just kind of an incredible bit of trivia, um, it's just testament to the fabric and just how long these things last that this guy can go to some abandoned mine that has been disused for the last 80 to 100 years and, and find this amazing piece of clothing that has just been preserved under rubble and junk and whatever else, kind of clean them up a little bit and then sell them on for huge sums of money. But the point is that the, the fabric itself has not deteriorated or degraded any, in any way. Can you help shed some light as to why that is? Because anyone would think that cotton being a natural fiber would just break down and turn to dust. Well, one of the things that probably is is of substantial help there is in the early days of denim, um, they made what we would now call and what is just real denim, but in, in the modern world is called raw denim. So most jeans that, that you buy at the store uh, is going to be made with a rinsed denim. So basically they, they make a denim material, um, comes off the looms, it's dyed, and then it's washed and dried, it's chemically treated. And and there's definitely some benefits to that. Um, it, it helps the fabric maintain its color better. Um, the flip side of it is that it helps knock some color off, depending on what you're wanting to do to give you that nice uh, distressed-looking jean that you can buy. Um, one of the other big benefits to it is that because the fabric, the cotton fibers are already shrunk, uh, it allows you to wash and dry jeans, which is what most people know as the, the proper method of, of taking care of a pair of jeans. Uh, for that same reason, because it is pre-shrunk, it's the same reason it, it doesn't hold its size as well. You, you put them on first thing in the morning when they're out of the dryer and they fit nice and, and snug how you want them. And by the end of the day, you're you're ratcheting your belt to the next strap to get them to stay on. Um, so you, you have these two different types of denim, but, but that rinsing of the denim is what makes denim such a um, disposable piece of clothing. Basically you, you don't buy a right. pair of jeans, uh, a cheap pair of jeans at the store and expect them to last you a lifetime. 
because the fabric is just not meant to do that. 160, 170 years ago, they just had one way of doing it. It came off the loom, it was dyed, and then it was sent out to make a fabric. So I'm not saying that's the only reason. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there a lot smarter than I that that could give you a a very scientific reason. But, um, you know, you, you had thick, heavy materials that weren't dumped a bunch of chemicals on and, you know, buried under dust and rocks for a hundred and something years. Uh, it's probably not how I would want my genes taken care of, but it is one way to, one way to preserve them. I, I mean, that's the thing about denim is, is generally speaking, it's a material that adapts itself to its environment. It's really interesting what you were saying there, because it's a, before I, I was discovered by you guys, actually, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but before I was discovered by you guys and found out about you and we started working together, I obviously was buying jeans off the peg. I always used to struggle struggle with it tremendously because I have big thighs. And so, um, you know, I at the time I was a bit heavier. I could probably fit into a 34 jean, but I would always have to size up to a 36 just to get my legs in. And then my jeans would end up sort of hanging off my waist anyway. So I'd have to get a tailor to take them in. But within a day of wearing them, they just wouldn't fit again. They'd just be loose and floppy. And so I'd stick them in the washing machine to try and shrink them down a little bit again. And then you wear them in the first few hours. They're absolutely fantastic. And like you say, by the end of the day, you're ratcheting up that extra notch on the belt and they've gone loose again. And so you put them in the washing machine again. And a lot of people go through that same cycle until they get a pair of your jeans so what is it about the ingredients and what is it about the fabrics that you guys have selected to use that is reducing the need for customers to have to go through that very painful process? Right. So there, there's a couple different elements there. The The fabric that we use is is a, a modern performance version of, of what I was mentioning a minute ago. So it's, it is a raw denim material. Now, we sell... Uh, what would probably be considered a light to midweight denim material, uh, going to be somewhere in the, the ballpark of nine to 10 ounces, most of our fabrics. So people think of raw denim and they think really heavy that, you know, that, that kind of pair of jeans you can stand in the corner when you're not wearing them. Ours are not that we, we want our jeans to be comfortable because our, our typical client is a guy who's wearing a, a, a man or a woman who's wearing it with, uh, you know, a sports jacket to the office they're, they're They want to be comfortable in them. They don't want to have to break in this, this, you know, monster pair of denim. Um, but we do have added stretch elements to the fabric. We use uh, Lycra in, in almost all of the fabrics we sell. And, and Lycra gives the stretch that, that spandex or polyester might. One of the, the big benefits to it, though, is it has incredible recovery. Um, so that gene is going to stretch, it's going to give, it's going to move as you move, but it'll always come back to that same size. So th- those are those are two of the big things that, that make our genes just a, a good, long-lasting, comfortable pair. That is, of course, in addition to the, the tailoring. You know, we, we take 16 measurements for every pair of genes we make. We personally pattern every gene, and then it's cut and sewn by hand in our shop here in Mississippi. There's there's a lot of love that goes into to making a, a pair of blue jeans, just like there's a lot of love that goes into making a you know a custom shirt or, or a custom suit there on several row. I've done the audience a disservice because I introduced you and I introduced Blue Delta, but I didn't actually tell them what Blue Delta <laughs> are. 
they've obviously guessed yeah. by now because they're very <laughs> smart. I think it was probably about five or six years ago. I was approached by, I was probably approached by Nick. He was looking for a tailor to partner with that could help you guys over in Europe. And you needed someone who could actually measure as well. Because I'm I'm still one of those guys. I don't work with, uh, a lot of tailors work with try-on garments. Right. And again, for our listeners, basically that means they'll have a bunch of suits, jackets, trousers at their workrooms or shops and they'll be in different sizes and then they'll put them on you when you go in for a fitting and they'll kind of use that as like a barometer and then they'll work out what they need to change in order to get to your finished pattern and I still don't do that I still refuse to work with well I don't refuse to work with try on sets it's just I guess I'm just stuck in my ways there we go so I still just use a tape measure in my eye and and you guys approached us and you said hey we we make bespoke jeans from scratch we're based out in Mississippi we've got a couple customers we want to send your way we know you know how to measure could you would you mind giving it a go and I was like oh wow this is really cool bespoke jeans this is I ordered a pair straight away because uh, I've been looking for you guys my entire life our first couple pairs were just a huge success um, you know our customers it's amazing when today even still I have a new customer who tries a pair of your jeans on for the first time the look on their face the second they put them on I don't even need them to tell me what's going through their head but I always love asking that question right now Mr. Customer tell me everything that you're thinking and experiencing and and to them it's like magic <laughs> it's like they've they've taken this magic pill that has just lifted all the worries of their life away because believe it or not one of the great well you know because you're in the business and that's what you do but one of the biggest banes of most men's existence is actually finding the perfect pair of jeans Anyway, I digress. So uh, 2011, you guys started. You tell the story. Yeah, so uh, Nick Weaver and Josh West are the two guys that, that founded Blue Delta, both of them from Mississippi, uh, which I would assume most of your listeners know, but Mississippi's a, a pretty rural, um, you know, we're a, a state full of, of good, hardworking people. And, and how Blue Delta came into existence was Josh was involved in, in economic development here in Tupelo, which is in northeast Mississippi. And, and he saw uh, a unique thing about Missis- uh, about Tupelo, which is that it's a it's a big garment manufacturing town. Um, and, and one of the garment manufacturers that was here and, and left was a, uh, a contract sewing company that made 501s for Levi. So there's this wealth of talent um, uh, of folks who know how to sew blue jeans. They know you know, they just know how to put them together. And, and Josh, being the entrepreneur that he is, uh, realized that he could probably, you know, take advantage of that that knowledge base and went and got with Nick, who is uh, the kind of guy that could just sell anything to anybody. Uh, and they started putting the company together. They, they bought sewing machines. Uh, they hired a, a lady named Sarah Ritchie, who is still with us, um, who, you know, she's been sewing jeans pretty much her whole life. And just started from there. Um, so 2011, the, the company comes into existence. 2012, start sewing blue jeans. And, and as with, you know, most bespoke clothing manufacturers, it was a it was a slow roll. They, they had to figure some things out. Uh, but then we got to that point uh, as a company where uh, we're confident in the product that we were making and, and just had to sell it. 
now. Uh, and so, yeah, like you mentioned, it's, it's probably been five or six years, um, but really started growing a wholesale program um, where not only could we sell our jeans to our clientele here in Mississippi and, and in the Southeast United States, but um, we were starting to, you know, the magic of the internet, people found out about us and, and wanted to buy our product, but we couldn't get it to them. Uh, and, and so we reached out and, you know, whether it be in, in California or in New York or Miami or, or uh, you know, across the pond, um, we, we started looking for people who could sell our product. And, um, you know, Bobby, you've, you've been a good one. <laughs> we're, we're glad to have you. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be with you. I can't wait until the day that I can actually come to Mississippi and visit you guys. I really would just love to spend a few days with you because I don't get to... Uh, the difference with the tailoring side for me with all the other stuff that I do is I actually get to see, feel, touch that product all the way through the process. And the only way I get to do that with yours is by just watching your videos online, <laughs> <laughs> your behind-the-scenes stuff. Because what happens is customer comes to me, oh, jeans are a problem... I tell them, you've just got to try these. I'm not even going to try and sell you into them. Just try them out. When you get them the first time, you will know um, because you'll be in jeans heaven. So I measure them meticulously and I send this very comprehensive set of measurements over to you guys, which is then translated into the paper pattern. And it's an individual pattern for that customer. Yeah, so like you mentioned, we, we take... Uh, 16 measurements for our, our pants. Um, you're you're going to have a waist, a seat, three thigh measurements, a knee, a calf, uh, coordinate measurements for all of those. So basically where you took those measurements in relation to each other. Um, we take a full out seam and then two rise measurements, uh, which is what creates the, the saddle of the gene. And, um, you know, is one of the more important measurements because it keeps it from being way too tight or way too loose in a, in a spot where you definitely want it to fit just right. Uh, but yeah, we, we've got a, um, a guy, Johnson Benjamin. He's, he's kind of uh, the Picasso of denim here in Mississippi. So he and, and his patterning team, they, they draft every pant we make. Um, so if, if you are a, a client, if you get a pair of jeans from us, uh, one of three or four people um, here in our shop in Mississippi is going to be spending about 15 minutes with your your measurements, drafting out that pattern, making sure that every part of the gene from from the waistband all the way down to the bottom hem is is sculpted and measured and all just right. Uh, that gene is cut and then goes into a sewing process that takes, you know, two and a half hours, something like that. Um, uh, six or seven different sets of hands will, will touch your genes along the way. Um, we used to do it very, very old school where somebody would get a, a cut gene and it was their responsibility all the way through. And we realized here a couple of years back that the, the romance is definitely there with that idea. But the, the practice is that um, some people are better at sewing waistbands. Some people are better at, at running the double needle machine. Some people are better at, at placing zippers. And so we, we found where our talent and the folks who work for us had specialized skills. We put them in that job and, and let them execute it day to day. Um, but after the gene is sewn, it, it goes through a full inspection process. So we've, we've got a team that looks at every gene. They, they take the original 16 measurements and then all the new measurements that our patterning team generates. Uh, they compare them, make sure everything is right. They make sure the 
the the denim is the correct color. They make sure it's got the right color stitching and the the right buttons and the right zippers and and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then it it ships. We we ship jeans all over the world on a day to day basis. Um, so it's it's a I always like to tell people it's a very simple complicated process. Um, we're we're making <laughs> we're making blue jeans, but we do it in a uh, a way that I don't imagine there's more than you know a dozen companies in the world that do what we do definitely not over here that's for sure anyone listening to that would think through all those processes that you you had some huge factory that was the size of 12 football pitches or something like that (laughs) but you don't do you're still a very small for all intents and purposes you're a family business just like ours we are it because you're still only what 20 people we're we're a little bigger now um our our company from from top to bottom um we're we're somewhere in the range of 35 to 40 yeah that's still small very yes sir relative to yeah the output and so on it it means that everybody knows each other <laughs> absolutely absolutely you haven't got to employee 11786a or whatever yeah no, we're we're still well within the single digits <laughs> or double digits sorry <laughs> double digits yeah uh, that's that's great i mean it certainly it translates i mean we see it on our side you know with customer service and so on and uh, you know the other the other beautiful thing is that if you if you want to talk in fail rate i mean we very very rarely have i don't think ever have had i think we only ever had to remake one gene in the last six seven years and and that i know why that was it was just a client who was in extremely awkward shape and I don't think it was even down to his measurements. It was down to the fabric more than anything. He chose a really, we, we were doing much heavier raw denims at the beginning, that kind right. of 13, 14 ounce stuff. And and it was just the fabric didn't work. So, so we just ended up remaking them for something lighter. But it's testament to obviously my measuring, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> but obviously your your guys and Johnson's ability to translate the information that I'm giving him into this unique pattern for each customer that just works first time. It's incredible. I mean, why the hell would anyone go back to buying jeans the old way ever again? It's why would you go through all that pain? You know, well done to you guys. And you've also, you're now the official, so to talk about some of your achievements over there that we wouldn't see over here, but you're now um, official gene of the Ryder Cup. Right. Yeah, so our our product being so unique has has uh, lent us some, some very unique opportunities. Um, our, our storefront is in uh, a little town called Oxford, Mississippi, which is a college town. The University of Mississippi is, is there, and the University of Mississippi puts out quite a few professional athletes. Um, so in our early years, uh, professional baseball players and, and professional um, American football players, the, the football you use your hands with, um, you know, they're guys that are, you know, six, 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 seven, three hundred pounds. They're got tiny waists and big butts and big thighs and long legs. Um, they knew about us just because, that, you know, we were in their town. And so we were able to to take those guys and, and put them in jeans. And, and that's led us to having a couple hundred clients in, in Major League Baseball. We've we've got about 100 clients uh, in the NFL. Um, and, and then through the course of doing that, it's it's obviously put us into into NHL and, and NBA a little bit here and there. And and like you mentioned, the, the PGA has gotten to be a, a good client of ours. Um, we. 
you know, just put the put genes on the right people and were asked to be a, an official partner of the U.S. Ryder Cup team for what was supposed to be the 2020 Ryder Cup. Now the 2021, which is at, at Whistling Straits in Wisconsin. Yep. Um, so we'll have the opportunity to uh, outfit the entire team. Uh, there, there's this little known brand called Ralph Lauren that, that does all of their uh, on the course wear, and we'll get to do all of their off the course wear. So media events, uh, their dinners, their their cocktail events, all of that stuff. We'll we'll have the entire team outfitted. Um, so that's certainly something that that we're very excited about. Um, and you know, here in uh, I guess about a month, I'll, I'll be going for the PGA Championship at uh, Kiowa Island in South Carolina, and, and we'll get to fit all of those guys. And uh, you know, look forward to uh, watching some some good competitive golf in September. Yeah, see, I always thought that American footballers had better off the pitch dress sense than <laughs> English footballers. Because English footballers just seem to want to wear jeans that make them look like clowns. You know that really high-end designer stuff that costs two, three, four thousand a pair from Balenciaga and uh, Versace right. and, you know, all this other kind of flowery nonsense. So, uh, so that's a work in progress over here. But I'm greatly encouraged and greatly inspired. And uh, I will redouble my efforts to uh, to try and tidy up those that play sports <laughs> by kicking a ball as opposed to handling it. Although our rugby players uh, aren't too bad. Well, and and you know, like I mentioned, uh, big butts and big thighs and long legs are are kind of a specialty of ours. Uh, so if you can uh, if you can put some on some soccer players, we would love that because that's that's one market we haven't gotten into over here. So you've have you tried over there? With the uh, with the yeah we, soccer league the uh, yeah the major league soccer which is our our professional soccer league over here um, you know we've 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 made some pushes here and there it's just you know haven't haven't quite found that champion to carry it forward yet it's but you know what I mean right I don't know if it's the same with the with the MLS footballers over there it must be because they're paid a ton of money because especially the ones that come from Europe. Because towards the end of their careers, they end up either in the uh, in the Chinese league and paid lots of money, or they end up somewhere in the MLS and are paid lots of money. But then you know that you see them coming off the coaches and the planes with the Beats headphones on, and I mean they're they're just like a <laughs> multiple multiple branding opportunity for all these other big brands. Um, you know, there's there's no yeah, I mean, it, class or style. I mean, there's no class about it whatsoever. That, from my point of view. Well, if if you want if you want some some fun uh, outfits to look at, you ought to. Uh, there's a, a quarterback over here in the United States, uh, Cam Newton. Uh, he's he's a pretty big name over here. He's pretty well known for his uh, uh, unique. Uh, Post game outfits. Uh, so I can't say y'all have a monopoly on it, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, the guys, guys, are guys. you've <laughs> got to wear something every week and have got to look unique. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, by the way, if there are any professional soccer players listening to this right now or footballers, um, uh, I don't apologize. Sort yourself out and give me a call. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So um, something else over here, actually, that is on trend is the environment. And traditionally, um, any form of clothing, whether it's suits, shirts, it's jeans, T-shirts, that's mass produced, it is known for being bad for the environment. I mean, not just in the way it's produced, but obviously, you know, throwaway fashion is no good because it ends up in landfill and, and so on and so forth. Now, we know that the jeans that we're making are produced from a form of raw denim so that's great you're very very selective over the types of fabrics and the types of fabric partners that you're working with so denim is is one of those industries that uh, unfortunately you know denim and sustainability just don't really go hand in hand um denim is is an incredibly um I don't want to say wasteful, but but that may be the word material to make. Um, I, I, I remember I read one time that um, every pair of jeans that you buy consumed about 2000 gallons of water uh, to make. Now, I, you know, yeah. I, I've seen that stat a couple of times, so I'll believe it. But I, I'm not a scientist. I don't know if you can trust me on it. But, um, you know, re- regardless, the way that we look at it is um, – you know, we, we can't do anything about the way denim's made. Um, we're we're in the business of of assembling jeans for materials we buy. So our view on it is, uh, you know, the the average pair of American a study I saw uh, owns seven pairs of jeans. Our goal is to, you know, make it to where you own two or three or four pairs of jeans that you love and that will last you a long time as opposed to you going out and, and replenishing that supply of seven all the time. Um, w- one of my big qualms with, with denim as it is in American culture is that it's very throwaway. Um, you know, you, you spend $20 or $30 at, at, at whatever local store and you buy a pair of, of cheap jeans, you wear them hard for six months and you get rid of them. Um, that's not something that I like, whether it's in, in denim or in anything I buy. If I'm going to spend money on something, I, I want it to last. And, and we as a company just try to make that our our goal. Uh, you know, If somebody's going to spend the money on our product, um, we want it to last for them for a long time. And we want to make it to where they don't have to go buy a new pair of jeans every six months. Let's let's make it a, you know, maybe maybe you get a couple right at the beginning, but then after that, it's once a year, you know, get yourself another pair to expand the variety, not to replace what you already have. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that um, I say to people, you know, when they say, well, you know, I'm buying 60, 70, 80, 100 pound jeans. um, Why would I spend four or five times as much on bespoke? How many jeans do you own? And usually the answer is anywhere between eight to 12 to 15 even. Well, out of those 12, 15 jeans, how many do you actually love wearing? I don't think I've ever had someone tell me more than two. And it's very rarely more than one. So usually it's I don't like any of them. Okay, fine. So let's just say you're spending an average of £100 per jean or 100 bucks per jean. So you've got 12 pairs of jeans at $1,200. Wouldn't you rather have spent 1000 on two pairs that you love so much that you have to fight every single day to decide which pair you're going to put on. I Well, yeah, I guess that kind of makes more sense. And also, when they start to show any signs of wear, you get a problem with the zipper or whatever, 
you just give them back to us and we'll fix them up for you and we'll just keep them going. Oh yeah, that makes sense as well. So it's it's talking to people from that 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 kind of different. It's just trying to shift their perspective and how they think about these things and how they value them as well. Right. Robbie uh, Comer, who was my guest on my very first episode, um, he talked about that. His story is fascinating. He's a sound engineer, so with the pandemic and with uh, concerts and things going out the window, he had to reinvent himself. And he was very passionate about sustainability and so on. So he's actually running around the southwest of England, putting beehives into people's land and places like that, wherever he can, with the idea that all these bees are going to harvest amazing natural products that will then go on to be sold and, and so on. It's it, Go listen to it, it's great. Um, but Robbie was talking about that in relation to other items of clothing, like shirts is a big example. You know, people buy shirts for 10, 20 pounds over here, um, and they'll buy five, six, seven of them at a time, and they'll throw them in the bin every three to four months. It's just creating waste on a huge scale, and it is becoming a real global problem as well. So, um, you know, what you're saying there about it being better to to spend money on quality and have it in the wardrobe for a long period of time. I mean, the the, the pair that I'm wearing today are now four years old. I don't previously think when I was buying jeans ready-made, but from Levi's Diesel particularly, and I was spending around 100, 120, 130 pounds a pair, but I don't think they ever stayed in my house for more than nine months. They would then just end up in, well, going to charity, not going in the bin, but still going somewhere. But I'd be buying five or six pairs of those a year. The, the pair that I've got on right now, as I said, they're about four or five years old. I remember certain days of my life with these jeans because there are certain marks and things that they've developed over time. Um, there are certain stains on them. I, I need to ask you about cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> there are certain stains on them. Like there's, there's a silicon smudge on the thigh of the right thigh of these jeans. And I, I'm building my house at the moment and I know the exact day that that happened. Um, it was in February this year because I was uh, I was I was siliconing the the expansion joint between the extension of the house and the old part of the house. You know when you have two long runs of brick wall, two long runs of masonry, you have an expansion joint in the middle and so I had to silicone that. Why I'm doing it myself is a whole other story, but anyway, and I and I I just got this silicone smudge on these jeans that will never ever come out. And at the time I was mad about it. And now I actually am quite happy that it's there because these jeans are, are like a book now. They, they're they telling the story of the last four or five years of my life. All these little marks, there's a little nick on one side. Again, all these things kind of happen to your jeans and they, and they, they start to tell a story. And that's the great thing about them. If, if you've got something that's a throwaway pair that only lasts about six months and you chuck in the bin... That's another, it's another benefit to these wonderful garments that you lose. Do I sound crazy? No, 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 no. I, I completely agree with you. There is a, um, there's a certain romance to uh, a good pair of jeans, I think. And, you know, the, the raw denim that, that we sell is going to start out as a, a dark 
uh, you know, more of a dressed denim. It's not going to have that pre-distressing or the acid washing that's that's sometimes popular. It, it is going to start as a uh, a dark but blank canvas, and, and you get to put life in into that garment. So one thing that that we always tell our clients, and, and going back to you know our sports uh, clientele, our jeans are are like a like a baseball glove or like a, a good. Uh, a leather binder or a sh- pair of shoes, something like that, where you get it, um, it where it, it's brand new. It is a product that's got some, got some, uh, it, it's not soft, right? And and you get yeah. to, you get to break it in and, and, and give it that feel that you want it to have. You don't want to go buy a pair of used shoes that someone else has worn already. You want to go get them brand new and, and let your foot make the imprint in them. Um, so, you know, Bobby, I was, I was sitting here looking, your your pair of jeans you've got on here, uh, we completed them on August the 14th, 2015. So, so you're running up on five and a half years. Six years. Yeah. yeah. Or, I'm sorry, up run up six years this summer. Six years. So you're, you know, you, you've got, say, um, I don't know, an eighth of, of your life, a seventh of your life, whatever the math works out to be, that that you've spent with that jeans, uh, that, that pair of jeans. If you've insulted me or not. Uh, I'm just totally <laughs> guessing off the top of my head. Here. It sounds better, young, a fifth of your life, maybe. Uh but you know you you yeah, okay, yeah, you've got like, a lot of your math, life. Maths is not my strong point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's one of the beautiful things. You know, you, you like I said, you you don't want to buy something that's already already broken in. You you want to do the work yourself, and, and that's a great thing about our jeans. Um, yeah, you know, you you get this brand new item, and then it, it's all you from there. When we say break in, what we're what we're talking about is is people actually putting their own imprint onto these things that sounds rude uh, it does if you're british by the way we <laughs> everything that we say sounds rude we managed to turn it around somehow um <laughs> the, it, it's it, when we say breaking in it's not that you get this garment that is really really tight and and you need to to you know literally stride around and try and break them in so they're comfortable these things are not that i mean i've got a quote from a customer he's one of our youngest clients actually he's very discerning young man my waist and legs are slightly disproportionate if something fitted my waist it was too tight on my legs also materials on off the rack jeans were very restrictive denim looked nice but it wasn't comfortable and it certainly wasn't functional when I first put my first pair of bespoke jeans on, I sat down and was surprised at the amount of stretch in them. I was wearing jogging bottoms when I received the jeans, and I cannot feel the difference. They're that comfortable. I'll never buy off the rack jeans again. I cannot go back after trying these. They're versatile, durable, and comfortable. They're the perfect item of clothing. The right pair of jeans can last years. Why not spend those years in comfort? Well, I can say with confidence that uh, Caleb just said in a hundred words uh, some better marketing than I've heard in a long, long time. So, yeah. uh, what a great quote! He's still young, Blake. I can I can send him over to you if you want to hire him. <laughs> 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 um. But but I mean that just says it all. I mean and and that's every single time the feedback that we get when people have tried 
custom jeans. I mean, I've also pointed people to, uh, you know, where they've not been quite ready maybe to take that, that step in spending. So we, we've looked at what they're doing now. And then I have made off the rack recommendations for them because by now I do tend to know people, uh, different manufacturers kind of size charts and things. So I can almost look at someone and say, hey, if you try such and such a brand's model, whatever, in a 32, 34, they'll fit you almost perfect. Uh, that'll be a really good solution for you in the interim period. Um, but you know what we're what we're trying to do really is 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 get people just being a bit more considered in the way that they're shopping and buying these things, and hopefully one day they'll they'll decide that they want to try bespoke and get something that is completely made for them and unique for them, and then you know they'll find you. Just looking ahead to the future now, because again we've got this amazing statistic that half the world wear jeans at any point in time and I would guess probably 80% of those people are wearing jeans that don't fit them properly where have you guys kind of seen the future not just for Blue Delta but for for the denim industry and 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 your place within it pre-COVID um one thing that we were starting to see as as a growing trend was uh and this is in the United States I, I don't know how well it applies uh to 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 Europe but you know, the, the full suit was starting to kind of see uh, something of an exit. Um, we were seeing a lot more um, of, of our clients wearing our jeans and buying our jeans to wear alongside a sports jacket and, and do the business casual look. And, and that was something that really started to pick up. Now, at, at the beginning of our conversation, we, we joked about, uh, you know, wearing sweatpants at home. But in reality, that that is what what people are doing. You know, they are are sitting in their home offices or or at their kitchen counters and, and don't necessarily have to wear a coat and tie to do that. Um, but uh, you know we're we're all getting our vaccines and and hopefully here in the next however many months um, the the world will find itself back in our offices and and you got to have something to wear. Um, so uh, I think our product. Uh, well, denim and, and our product in particular is is in a very good position because I, I don't think companies will will require a, a full suit or a coat and tie every day. I, I think if you come in and you look nice and you look professional wearing a, a, a sharply fitted pair of jeans and, you know, a, a nice shirt or a sports jacket, then you'll you'll fit the bill. Uh, so I, I think denim's got a unique opportunity to to see some growth in that, that category, not that denim needs, uh, you know, to be more popular because the statistic we've quoted here, but that that's where I think it, it's going. Um, so we'll, we'll continue selling jeans. Um, and, and hopefully that will become part of a, you know, a, a Monday to Friday kind of work uniform instead of just casual Fridays where you can wear jeans to work. We'll see if that happens though. <laughs> Over here, it's really funny because, again, at the start of COVID, um, people's dress sense just went out the window and into the gutter. And then um, as time has progressed, I mean, what we're seeing now is people saying that either they're not going to wear a suit, but they will still need some form of the jacket, shirt, trouser combination, whether that's jeans and chinos and a sport coat or whatever. But those three basic components will remain the same. 
or they they might go back to wearing a suit, but they may never wear a tie again. So that's kind of the talk over this side of the pond. Where jeans will come into play, I think, is... So I, I wear jeans on certain days. I mean, today I had to go to the workroom and I did see a customer today and I was wearing my nearly six-year-old's Blue Deltas. Um, but he didn't really seem to notice. And uh, my favourite wash, as you know, or colour is the very dark indigo. It's that black on blue that you guys do. That is so, so dark. Yes, sir. I've been into so many offices over the last few years. I mean, obviously they've aged a little bit now and the, the colour's kind of not quite as deep as it was when I first got them. But they're still smart enough and tailored enough that I look well put together. I always wear them with a shirt. I always wear a tie anyway, a waistcoat and some form of smart casual jacket. But where I've had clients who if I if they'd noticed that I've been wearing jeans, they would have said something about it. They don't notice because they're so well cut and they're, they, they, they just, you know, they don't scream jean when people look at them. Um, so, so I think there is a home in the office workplace for a much smarter type of gene and all these darker washes that that are bec- have become more popular over the last few years are going to become the mainstay obviously the alternative to that is the classic chino um the the difficulty i think always for for guys and actually to girls maybe not I don't think women find it as difficult, and I could be wrong. I could get loads of people writing in after I make this statement telling me off, but girls are better at selecting their clothing when they go shopping, whereas guys are kind of like a military strike. It's like, I need to get stuff, so they're kind of like, I need this, this, and that, and then they'll run in. They won't put much thought into it. They'll just grab stuff, and they'll get out, and you know, hell or high water. I mean, if it fits, it fits. And if it doesn't, well, you know, who cares? It can't be that bad. And then when you see them, the question I always get asked is, how can I get that look? And and I say to them, oh, you mean the wearing a blazer with a pair of jeans look and a shirt and looking like you're well put together, not with your jeans hanging around your backside? And they're like, yeah, how do I get that? I'm just saying, so we'll just buy jeans that fit you properly. So we have a uh, a saying that we like to to use uh, in Blue Delta because, as I mentioned, you see more and more jeans and jacket. You know, as you mentioned, most people don't have a a well fitted pair of jeans. And a a friend of the company he came in one time and uh, on his first pair of jeans he said, I, "I wear jeans and a jacket most days, but I have well or I have, I have very poorly fitted jeans." It's like I've got a business mullet. He said, I'm well put together in the front, but terribly in the back. And man, that that has just taken off with us. We use that all the time. But yeah, so, you know, we we joke we like to try to solve the business mullet, which is, you know, you're you're put together up top. You've got a nice shirt and a nice sports jacket. The jeans need some work. Let's, you know, let's get the clippers out and, and take care of the jeans part. Um, that's that's absolutely brilliant. So mullet, that bring over this side of the pond, that brings us back to football again. For example. <laughs> In the 80s, most of the top professional footballers used to have a mullet. Okay. Okay. I will start using that because to tell someone that they've got a mullet is an insult, basically. Luckily, I never have that problem. So, uh, yeah. I'm going to go around telling people I need to demullet your outfit. That's brilliant. Hey, absolutely. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Fantastic. 
Right, brilliant. Blake, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I'm sure there's things that we haven't spoken about that people listening are going to want to know the answers to. So if you are listening and if we haven't covered anything that you've got on your mind or we've kicked up some questions in your mind or whatever, then just send them in and Blake and I can get together and we can cover that on another show because I'd love to have you, have you on again because it's just a fascinating subject. Blake, where can people find you and Blue Delta online? So uh, Blue Delta, uh, we're on pretty much every social media at, at, at bluedeltajeans.com. Uh, that's, that's the best place. I mean, we, we try our hardest to highlight uh, our fabrics in different styles and of course, you, Bobby, can sell all of those. Um, so that's uh, just a good way to, to get an idea of, of what we do. And then, you know, likewise, I'd, I'd love to, to have some new friends across the pond. I'm, I'm sure everyone's been very fond of hearing a new accent tonight. So, uh, you know, give, give me a shout. That's what I was most excited about. Dang the jeans. It was just that you, you're our first. <laughs> you're our farthest and you're our most different accent and uh and a lovely one it has been that's a badge of honor i'll wear that <laughs> thank you ever so much blake again it's been a pleasure thank you and uh, look forward to catching up with you again soon absolutely thank you so much take care thank you blake for taking us on this magical tour of denim jeans and your amazing company I realised we didn't ever get back to the point about not washing your jeans. The reasoning is that washing denim knocks off the dye so you lose those wonderful unique characteristics that develop over time. But of course they'll get smelly eventually so I personally recommend just a very gentle cold hand wash with a little soap. There are also various denim deodorising sprays on the market too. That's it for another week and that's it for season one. If you're enjoying the show please please give us a rating and a review. It really helps other people discover us, and if you really had fun today, why not share this episode with your family and friends? I love your questions, comments, feedback and ideas, so don't be a stranger and please get in touch. I'll be back in May with Season 2. If you'd like to apply to be a guest on the show, just send me a direct message on social or email me using the address in the show notes. Once more, thank you so much for joining me. I can't wait for you to join me on the next one.